Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. You like the Just Baseball show and want to make your own? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never seen before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Monday, September 13th, Just Baseball Show. Jack McMullen with the guy who talks the talk, can't really walk the walk right now. I just want to, this is not baseball related, but Arm Layton is the self-proclaimed czar of fantasy football. I mean, he is making the moves, the underground moves that nobody has any idea what's going on. Uh, And he decided to put together just baseball's fantasy football power rankings for week one i am at the very bottom i'm 12 of 12 i think he probably did that as a as a teensy bit of motivation because we played each other in week one we we are currently playing each other in week one and i am wiping the absolute floor with arm Layton. it's not over i mean i've got darren waller Kenyon drake and somebody Henry else. Ruggs. Henry Ruggs. And you've got Justin Tucker. Nope. I have Mark Andrews. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry. And uh, I think I've got a four point cushion. So I'm feeling great. Okay. Good. I'm um, feeling great. Good strategy, by the way. Three players on the same team. And uh, you're going to say it worked. I know. I know. I know. It's week one. It's week one. The blind squirrel found the nut. Unfortunately, it was it was at my expense. I'm still standing by my power rankings, but you know it, it hurt. It hurt. Um, I, I just got to wear it. I got to wear it. I got to be better. Like Taylor Luan said, did you see that? Yeah, Taylor Luan. He gave up five sacks to Chandler Jones and uh, decided to go to Twitter and say, "Thank you, Chandler Jones. You uh, let me know that I suck." Uh, so. Jack, thank you. I needed this. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be ready to go next week. 
Yeah, truly humbling experience. Truly humbling experience for me because right before I hit record, you just told me that I missed the best baseball game of the year because I was watching for the four read options that Justin Fields ran. Yep. Uh, So I was watching Sunday Night Football. You got to watch Mets Twitter say, give Francisco Lindor another $341 Mm -hmm. million. Mets Twitter is, is nuts. And... You know, I, I see that and I'm like, okay, he got a hit. He got he got a run producing hit in the seventh inning. It's the lead. He hit three bombs. He hit three bombs. Finally he hit three up. bombs. And the annoying thing about it too, though, was that honestly, I found myself and I mean I probably have a little bit of Stanton bias still too, just because I watched him come up and everything. And, and I'm just a big fan of Big G's. I, I know the frustration that comes with having a John Carlos Stanton, but with the whole backstory as well, of which I didn't even know about really until it really like culminated at that point with earlier in the game, or I guess going back to yesterday, uh, the Mets and Lindor accusing the Yankees of, of whistling to tip pitches and, and whistling to let uh, guys know what Taiwan Walker was throwing because he was tipping his pitches uh, on the mound. And, and that kind of gets into an entire conversation of like what's kosher and what's not. But I guess when Lindor homered the first time when he was rounding second, he like gave the whistling gesture. Like, I don't need that when I'm hitting or whatever. Um, So Big G went yard, and he basically was rounding second and looked at Lindor and was like, you know, don't talk shit. I I didn't need any whistling there. And Lindor said something back, and Sitton just stopped midway between second and third. And they're just jarring back and forth. And uh, then, of course, is his battery mate, which is my nice way of calling it, Javi Baez, comes on over too. And they're both just like coming at Stanton. I- I'd take Stanton over both of those guys Agreed. in a fight. Uh, them two versus him, I'm taking Stanton. But anyways, it was cool. It was one of those really exciting, clear the benches, yell at each other fights, quote unquote. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, it, it was pretty intense. But then Lindor comes back up like an inning later and hits his third bomb. So th- there was that was like his signature moment. Um, and we've been hard on Francisco Lindor. That was his signature moment, and uh, you know what? It's it's unlikely, but they, he could salvage this season and salvage this first year for the Mets if he finishes really strong here and even gives them a chance at the wild card. But, you know, that's the beauty of how long baseball seasons are uh, and, and that side of things. You know, you say that we've been hard on Francisco Lindor like you feel bad about it, but we have been understandably hard on Francisco Lindor he hasn't produced no absolutely absolutely I I don't I honestly don't feel bad about it I just I want to I want to hold myself accountable like if I'm going to absolutely rip this dude when he hits three jacks I gotta say that that was a big performance and a season saving performance for them I mean they can't really lose games down the stretch here especially at home and especially when they have a shot to win it, of course, you'll get beat out right one or two more times over the next week or two. And uh, but when you have a close game, you got to win those at this point. And uh, they don't win that game without Francisco Lindor. I think that's pretty obvious. Um, and I just love the intensity of it. It really felt like a football game. Um, I thought I thought Matt Vasgersian had a, a really good point. He said, if this was a movie, we'd we'd give the director some heat for overemphasizing the crowd noise at a baseball game. Like it wasn't realistic. 
but it, but it was real life. It was really crazy how consistently loud it was. It was almost like that football game that you were watching instead, yeah. uh, except it wasn't really that electric because Andy Dalton was in. Yeah, yeah, and they refused to hand the ball to David Montgomery in the first half, but that's beside the point. Um, here, you're wearing the Francisco Lindor thing when he does when he does things well. Javi Baez had a multi-hit day. Javi Baez has an OPS over 910 over his last 30 games. Um, I would say that I would wear the Javi Baez overrated thing. I'm getting a lot of flack there. But because everybody is jumping right back on the ship with Javi Baez over the last month. Shows he's overrated. Right. It just proves that he is one of the more overrated players in Major League Baseball. Um, he, He hasn't fixed anything. He's just running into baseballs. He's running into them right now. That's what happens. Like that, that's what happens. That's what happened to Ryan Howard that one year. Yeah. Right. He's running into them. I really think that if they were to make the postseason, he'd hit a wall. He would. And I'm not rooting against him. Like I want to see every player do well if it was somehow possible, but it's just not because every success comes at the expense of somebody else. It's just how it is. But at the same time, bias has made some really lazy plays too. Have you noticed some of those? Uh, especially in, in game two where they're turning a double play and he just had to make it as nonchalant as possible, throws it away, run scores. That ended up being pretty much the difference. Like, there's times there where I, I, between Jonathan VR, Baia and Baez alone, those two guys, they love to just intentionally look as nonchalant as possible and i've never really understood that whole attitude on the field it's like it's your job just just make the play and don't do the robbie cano half-ass flip to first yeah Baez has gotten burned on that like twice now in the last couple games i've watched with this like lazy toss over to first that gets away or somebody beats it out or whatever it may be i've never understood that yeah so my thing with him is you know, a lot of people were saying in these in the comment sections here when I called him overrated and and defense was a large part of that. People were saying, "Oh, errors are the worst stat to judge." You you just lost all credibility because errors. You lost are that. That's the new line. That's the new line. You lost all credibility. Yeah, it's. I don't think so. I I think people are still going to come back and watch. Um, I hope. Right, well, yeah. the funny thing too is that sorry to interrupt your point is that like you can make one point and then your credibility is all gone. You could have a career of just phenomenal takes, and then according to person on social media, your your one take that they don't like credibility gone. It's over. It's it's gone forever. Man, That's it, it. It's funny because they're usually stacked with another comment. So you just lost all credibility. Is right underneath this account literally never misses. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, it's always stacked like that. It shows you both <laughs> sides. Um, but what I was saying was errors can be misleading with people that aren't atop the league lead in errors committed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, that that's an excellent point, because it's like, how how good do you have to be on every other play for the errors not to matter? Yeah. Uh, that's that for me is. At the end of the day, Peter and I were joking about this the other day because we were like, yeah, I love advanced stats. I love all of those things. I think they're really important. But at the end of the day, what you're actually doing on the field matters, right? We can't talk about expected whatever when the season's over, right? It's whatever they did that year. You can point towards expected whatever and say, hey, I think he's going to bounce back next year because this 
whatever stat was a little bit of uh, an indication that maybe there was some bad luck. End of the day, he didn't have a good year and he could control it. You can control production back in the nineties or the early two thousands. Your stat line was your stat line and you had to own it. Now today you can say, Oh, well, you know, my, my expected, this is a little bit better. Like, is, is that going to start coming up in arbitration where, Oh yeah. He, he only had 18 home runs and hit 240, but did you see his expected stats? Is, is that, is that going to come up in arbitration? If it doesn't, which it, I know it doesn't, then we, we need to still kind of <laughs> talk about it in the way that it really is, which is, what you did is what you did, uh, and we have to have kind of two separate conversations about it. It's for prediction, not for how did they do. And yeah. we still got to talk about the stat lines that they actually accrued uh, because at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. I talked about it at the beginning of the year, but April and May, Ian Happ sucked. Ian Happ has not been good this year, but he sucked in the first couple of months of the season. And he said that he took some comfort in seeing his – Ex-Woba, his expected weighted on-base average. And okay, whatever whatever will make you feel somewhat comfortable, but if you can find comfort in that when you're hitting like 170, nah, man, you, you got to hit better than 170. And I think Peter got into this rut um, when we were doing our top 10s through the middle of the year where I think Colby Olsen was convincing him that that the expected stats meant a lot. So like Eduardo Rodriguez, he held on to that that little shard of hope that Erod was <laughs> You brought be- it up, not me. I brought it up, not you. I'll take it. I'll, I'll wear it on the chest. But listen, expected stats are fine to look at for context. They are not the end-all be-all. If a guy's hitting 170, he's not a good player if his expected weighted on-base average is better than that. He's only as good as his batting average. You could say he's more worth a chance the next season for whatever reason, which I'm totally on board with. You could say he's better than that performance. Like, there's more in there. But what he performed as is what he performed as, whether it was a little bit of unlucky you know, plays or whatever it may be, that's a stat line. And at the end of the day, that's what I got to be looking at. It's the same thing with Eduardo Rodriguez, though, because he's an excellent example. I think he's a, I think he's a good pitcher. He's having a bad year. And people keep pointing towards, oh, you know, his FIP or his you know, strand rate or whatever it may be uh, is not is way better than his actual stat line. And I think that's very fair. But at the end of the day, he's giving up 10 hits per nine innings. So like he's giving up 10 hits per nine innings. His ERA is five. So you can talk about, oh, he's expected this or that and, and any of those advanced stats, which I really enjoy looking at and I think are super useful. He also still led baseball in walks in 2019, but we're not going to talk about that because he had a pretty good year. So now it's like, do do we go both ways on this? Like we've got to be able to uh, be pretty fair here. He finished sixth in Cy Young voting in 2019, despite leading the league in walks. Nobody talked about the fact that he led the league in walks. Now we go into this year. He's got a 5.15 ERA and people are still saying, oh, well, he's got a 3.54 FIP. He's really solid, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, for me, like, what are we waiting for here? He's still giving up 5.15 runs per nine innings. That means the other team is scoring more than five times every nine innings he's on the bump. Yep, That's not good for winning. That's all I really care about. I know that that means he could be better next year, and that's why I'm not going to just release Eduardo Rodriguez. Right, He's better than he's performing, and the advanced stats back that up. But right now, 
He's not helping my team win, and he needs to be held accountable if I'm a Red Sox guy, personally. Yes, and the average, like the league average in terms of runs scored per game is just a tick over four. If you're above that, then you're a below average pitcher. I I know that we tend to overthink some things, and I'm I'm seeing it in the comment sections. Don't worry, guys. I see it in the comments. Um, Whenever we point to something, Pitch framing metrics for Sal Perez. You know, a lot of people are are chirping back at me because I I will stand by it. I Sal Perez is the worst defensive catcher in baseball by such a wide margin. Yes, he's going to hit 45 bombs this year. Yes, he's going to drive in north of 100. But he's a liability defensively. And you can see that with your eyes. A lot of people are saying, oh, you guys never watch baseball games. Um, It's obvious (laughs) that you don't watch baseball games. Advanced (laughs) stats aren't everything. You're right. And this is my pushback to that. Advanced stats can only tell so much of a story. If you look at that, you would think that Eduardo Rodriguez is just a very unlucky pitcher. I think right now he's a below average pitcher, and it's up to him to prove otherwise in 2022. A guy that has been absolutely dominant for so long just collected his 3,000th strikeout yesterday. He joined a club in 19. Max Scherzer is a first ballot Hall of Famer. And I want to contextualize what Max Scherzer has done in his career because I think that he is actually one of the more underappreciated pitchers in Major League history. We've never really viewed him as an all-time great while he's pitching. We view Clayton Kershaw as an all-time great while he's pitching, right? We viewed Mariano Rivera as that. We're not viewing Max Scherzer as that. I feel like, to be totally honest, at the peak of Justin Verlander's powers in Detroit, we were viewing him as that active Hall of Famer more so than we have ever viewed Max Scherzer. Do you disagree? Um, I do don't disagree, and I think part of it was just because of what Verlander was bringing to the table, right? Like, at that time, it was 2006, 2007, and he's hitting 100 miles an hour in the eighth inning, and everybody was like, what is this, yeah. right? So there's that novelty aspect to it that I think makes those guys almost transcend a little bit more of even just their performance. But I do agree, like, there was this level of dominance from Verlander where – we were just like, this This guy is, is really, really, really special and is going to be a Hall of Famer, no doubt. Whereas with Scherzer, I think it was a little different because of his career arc, right? Like, he wasn't even an all-star until he's 28 years old. Right. But when he was 28 years old, he goes 21-3 and three and wins to Cy Young. So he goes from nothing to... And not nothing. That's that's pretty harsh. I mean, he was a good starter. Yeah, high, yeah. high threes, low fours, ERA, excuse me. <clears throat> like, that's solid. But we're talking about a guy now that has 3,000 Ks. That was not the guy that we saw in Arizona or early in Detroit, whereas Verlander kind of just came out and was was a freak show like in the best way possible right Right. away. So I think that kind of affects the narrative a little bit. But then Scherzer from 28 to now, which 36 now, has just – it's probably been as good of an eight-year, nine-season stretch that we've seen – uh, in the modern game from a pitcher, I, I think you're going to really be hard-pressed to find a better stretch since even just 2000 uh, if we're going to compare like apples to apples here. Three Cy Youngs. He's finished in the top five every single year between 2013 and 2019. <laughs> like, how is that possible? That's stupid. It's dumb. 
It's dumb. This is the list. This is the exhaustive list of pitchers with 3,000 strikeouts and three or more Cy Youngs. Max Scherzer, one. Randy Johnson, two. Roger Clemens, three. Steve Carlton, four. Tom Seaver, five. Greg Maddox, six. Pedro Martinez, seven. (laughs) That's it. It's a good group. That's a good freaking group. And it's funny because... It's 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 an all time group, and it's funny because with Jeff uh, Conine, of course, who's you, you gotta ask him when you guys get him on here. I know he's gonna come on here pretty soon about Scherzer because I don't think he ever he he definitely didn't overlap with Scherzer. He was done just before Scherzer came up, but for whatever reason, Jeff just really likes Max Scherzer, and I, I think it's because. Certain players that, you know, obviously played for a while just to like appreciate things that maybe you and I don't even it's not the forefront of things that we appreciate. Like we're looking at a slider and we're like, whoa, like look at that thing move <laughs> or his change up or his fastball, whatever it is. But Jeff always uses the word gamer and yeah. he says Max Scherzer is just the biggest gamer he's ever seen. And that's something where it's like, yeah, we can see that. Of course we can see that. I, I, I say I can call out my gamers any any day of the week. But there's just like a different level of appreciation that Jeff has when we talk about Max Scherzer. And I love Max Scherzer. That makes me realize like Jeff even sees the things that we can't even see because they're playing every single day. I know he's every fifth day as a pitcher, but like just this this edge that he has that, you know, not a lot of pitchers have. And it's that same edge that Nolan Ryan had. It's that same edge that Randy Johnson had. It's that same edge that a lot of these just scary, terrifying starting pitchers have. And Scherzer's right in that category, and he's not even done. Can I add a current name to that? Chris Sale. Yeah. Max Scherzer. A little bit of the crazy guy in it, like a little bit. Yeah, Max Scherzer and Chris Sale are the two active psychopaths in Major yes. League Baseball. And there's something beautiful about that. And I'm excited to have this conversation with Jeff about this. Oh, yeah. Do I... Like Scherzer, you see the look in his eyes and you read the story about Dave Roberts, you know, patting Scherzer on the ass and Scherzer's walking by and mumbling, don't effing touch me. <laughs> like That is awesome. And that's the Hall of Fame story. That is the nut job psychopath story that I want from my Hall of Fame pitcher, from my all time great. And he's supplying that. Absolutely. And there's and it's still being written. Right, like that, this story is still being written because, as a Dodger, as a Dodger so far, he's gone 51 innings across eight starts, a 0.88 ERA. His his whip is at 0.66. He's been the best pitcher in baseball, arguably, unless I'm missing somebody that's just been out of this world over that same span since he got traded to the Dodgers. And I think. Look, I don't know how the whole negotiations ended up going down, but as we remember, he was supposed to be a Padre for whatever reason by the reports. I'm assuming the Dodgers heard that and were like, uh-uh, we're not letting this happen, and just beat the hell out of whatever the Padres' offer was. The Padres' system's already depleted, but, I mean, they're in a much better position right now if they have Scherzer. So it's like not only did you not get Scherzer, the other team that you really can't have be way better than you got Scherzer. And now it's basically like, like you netted negative two Scherzers, if that makes sense. Like it really hurt them. If he went somewhere else, it would be better, but they netted negative two. And 
it's it's I think it's going to be the difference. It really is. I mean, I, I still think the Dodgers are the much better team. But if Scherzer's on the Padres, I think we're feeling a lot better right now about what's going on in San Diego. And uh, I bet you this is a lot tighter of a race. I mean, he's six and zero. He's six and zero as a Dodger. You don't even see wins and losses at all with starting pitchers anymore. He's six and zero. As simple as this sounds. I, this is the best way I can I can put the Padres versus Dodgers thing. In the wild card game, if the Giants hold on to the division, the Dodgers just got their wild card game starter. The Padres did not. <laughs> the Padres' desired wild card game starter is on the other team pitching against them. Yep. That's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, and Blake Snell was finally throwing well. He's got the adductor issue. So now it's going to be Musgrove, right? You're going to have Matt Musgrove versus Scherzer. Musgrove's been great, but like, it's not Max Scherzer. <laughs> not Max Scherzer, man. Man. Not- All right. Let's wrap up this pod by refuting your claim that Carlos Correa is the best upcoming free agent in baseball. Oh, yeah. Okay. Refute it. Let's hear it. I, I don't think you have supreme confidence in that pick. Who should it be before, we, before I get into my Carlos Correa? My Carlos Correa take. Uh, okay, you present to me the other options that you have swirling in your mind. Well, here's the point: is like there's not really that many great, great, great options in terms of like there's the tier, tier, tier one guys, and those are the shortstops in my eyes. Like yeah. you've got Correa, you've got Trevor Story, who you're not even allowed to say is a better free agent option after uh, what you guys did to Trevor story last week. Yep. And then you've got, and this is one that I'll give you a little bit of leeway with is, is you've got Corey Seager. I opt Correa over Seager for a few reasons. I love Seager and I think he could end up maybe being better. That's fine. Correa is still a little bit younger than all these guys, which is nuts. He's just turning 27. He's having the best defensive season of his career. He's already going to have the best war uh, season of his career. Yeah. And really the only difference for him is staying healthy. He's kind of altered the way he's playing. He's altered his preparation for the season. And trust me, I don't love the way Correa carries himself on the field, but I love the way he plays baseball in terms of like his swing, uh, just all the tools he brings. He's so much fun to watch. He doesn't steal bases anymore. He's pretty careful out there when it comes to just being uber aggressive and, and protecting his body. And, it, and it's translated this year. He's on the field. Yeah. The two seasons that he has played at least 120 games, he's posted a war over five. This is his third season with a war over five. He's 26 years old. He's among the best defensive shortstops this year in baseball, 136 WRC plus. I just think you're, you're getting the youngest shortstop who is – on an upward trajectory, whereas Corey Seager's defense has not come back since the Tommy John surgery. I still think he's going to be fine defensively. Story is 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 a risk in itself. Yeah, who's going to be better than that? I, I just don't know how you can opt for somebody being a better free agent than Carlos Correa right now. Yeah, I I think that Seager and Correa's injury concerns kind of match each other. I both think they're injury prone. Yep. Um. Having said that, I would opt Seager, I think, just because I think you have a little bit more power when Seager's right and Correa's right. I think think that's fair. I think that the batting average can tick up maybe 10, 15 points with Seager when he's right and Correa's right. 
but I think that Correa now is a full-blown, just better defender than Corey Seager. Yeah, he's been really good, man. Like, really, really good. Yeah, he's got uh, he's got a cannon, dude. There are a couple of throws that I've watched Carlos Correa make this year. This dude has one of the strongest arms in baseball. Oh, it's, it's unbelievable. And you talk about advanced stats and stuff. Defense is one of those where you got to kind of just can hybrid all of the advanced stats and watch, but you got to watch. And I'm watching, I'm watching Correa. And I I mean, the routine plays are are automatic right now, but he's getting to balls because of that arm. Um, And and look, he's not a stolen base guy really anymore. And I think that's mostly to, to, to stay healthy. He stole 14 and 13 his first two seasons and hasn't stolen more than three cents and hasn't even attempted one in the last two seasons. I really think that's more about health because his footwork is phenomenal. Yeah. His footwork is spectacular and you have good footwork so you can get to balls that some guys can't get to. And then you have the arm that can make the throw that most guys can't make. And you've got a really darn good shortstop. So the, the missing part for him a little bit was the defense at times. I think the injuries were kind of limiting his, his range and just limiting his consistency with the glove. Yeah. And now that he's on the field, I mean, the big problem has really just been the health. Like I said, he's only played – this is only his second season with over 130 games or even over 120 games. I just think when he's going like this, going into a season now where he's going to get a big contract, he may have just earned himself another $100 million potentially with how good he's been on the health side and on just all aspects of his game. I'm still going to lean Correa. I really am. I, I wouldn't be shocked if a team prefers the left-handed swinging Seager. I just I just like what Correa does on all aspects. He's only striking out 18% of the time. That's the lowest rate of his career. He is walking more than he's ever walked at 12%. Like every single thing is pointing towards uh, just thumbs up. Things are going better, and he's still only 26 I just love what I'm seeing. You know why I like this podcast? I talk with, whether it's you, Pete, or any of the guests that we have on, I talk with smart baseball people who present great arguments, and they formulate them well. And I'm not a stubborn guy. So I'm going to say, to wrap up the pod, that you have swayed me. Let's go. Carlos, wow. the top free agent available. Let's go. See, this is this is how it should be in terms of like, in terms of life, conversation, life. Well, we could talk. We could talk politics, <laughs> in terms right? of America's Let's get really society. deep into the weeds of the issues in America right yeah, now. Perfect. But yeah. just before we wrap up, just for a quick minute. Yeah. But no. But seriously, like, you didn't have a strong opinion, and you were like, okay with that. Like, let's listen. But I feel like people feel like. If they don't have a strong opinion, they have to. So even if you slightly disagree, you got to dig your damn heels in and push back. And like, I would be totally cool with you having a different opinion. You probably could have swayed me a little bit too. I think I still, I mean, I wrote a whole article on Correa. So I was, I was pretty deep into that one, but you could have made me feel a little bit more like, eh, maybe Seeger could be a little bit more there, but I'm glad, I'm glad you're listening. And I'm glad, I'm glad we could have this open discussion on a very controversial and political issue. Yeah, man, absolutely. And we, we just have to come together as one. Unity absolutely. is most important right now, uh, especially in baseball conversations in the 2022 free agent class. So 
That's Arm Layton 8 on Twitter. I'm Jack underscore McMullen 11 on Twitter. That's the best way to contact us and send your hate mail. Um, we are at Just Baseball Fans on TikTok and Instagram, at Just BB Media on Twitter, and then twitch.tv slash Just Baseball. Like, subscribe, five stars on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Yeah, you where- can't rate on Spotify yet. I bet you that'll that'll be rolling out soon. Yeah, I'm that's sure. Gonna change. Um, and then Peter. But appreciate the ratings. Yeah. They help. Appreciate the ratings. And then Peter reminded me that uh, we have a Discord too. So, uh, Oh, yeah, we have a Discord. It's fun. We, we, we chat it up in there. I get yelled at sometimes and stuff. It's, it's fun. Right. But it's cool. It's, like, it's the people that like us, though. They join the Discord. Like, I'm, I love talking to everybody. So definitely join that thing. It's fun to talk a little baseball. You can ask us some questions about our articles and all that good stuff. Exactly. Yeah, we get yelled at on, uh, on the Discord. I, we get yelled at on every social media channel. So keep yelling at us. We love it. It fuels our fire. For Aram, I'm Jack. I'll talk to you with Pete tomorrow. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.